And we're reading from Luke, continuing Luke, I should say. Uh, uh, Chapter 18, 31, all the way to 19, verse 10. And I'm reading out of the ESV. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things, and saying, this saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging, and hearing the crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And Jesus came to the place, and he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. For he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of all my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for the ability to see your world. We all, be, all enjoyed, obviously, the snowfall, except in driving in it. However, more importantly for us, the spiritual sight that allows us to see both you and to also be with you. Thank you so much for your mercy and open our eyes to see the truth that you will give us in your word today. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Mark. All right. Uh, 
It is good to be back this morning. I missed last week. Um, I was I was thankful for you know the first couple times I heard how well Colin did. I was thankful, but then it just got annoying. <laughs> I'm done being sick. I'll tell you that. I get it. I get it. He's great. Whatever. Moving on. People. So, back in Luke. The last, the last um, several chapters of the book of Luke have been leading up to, to this. Um, Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem. Uh, verse 31, he says, See, we are going to Jerusalem. It's, it's happening right now. Everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. And so, we still have quite a few sermons left in the book of Luke. I, I think, um, weather and sickness permitting, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the book of Luke right about Easter Sunday. Um, that's, that's the projection right now. So we've got, we still got a few more months in the book of Luke, um, but these final five chapters, really, they just cover Jesus' week in Jerusalem. We really, we, this, is a, this, this is a one week uh, in Jerusalem, and it culminates, of course, with his death and resurrection. So we are coming right down to the end. Jesus says it's it's about to happen. It's about to happen, and and Jesus has this is now his seventh time in the book of Luke that Jesus has predicted his own suffering. He has repeatedly made a big deal out of the, this upcoming trip to Jerusalem, and he's been saying here as clearly as he can. God's bloody, violent plan to deliver up His Son to be brutally killed and then rise from the dead, it's about to happen. Where, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles and He'll be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And verse 33, after flogging Him, they will kill Him. And on the third day, He will rise. So Jesus can't be any clearer. I mean, Jesus is just... He's not... I mean, this is, this is as clear as you can be, right? Uh, but the disciples don't get it. They don't get it at all. Verse 34, but they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what He said. They just don't get it. This is fascinating because this is like, this is a, this is a, a crucial, uh, moment in Jesus' life on earth. And, and I mean, this is, they are living through the, the stuff that Jesus is talking about here is like the, the most history changing event ever. And Jesus is talking to them as clearly as he can. And they just don't, they don't get it. They don't see why it's important. It's hidden from them. Have you ever watched a movie with a twist ending? Have you ever seen the old movie, The Sixth Sense? Um, uh, uh, it's about, spoiler alert, it's about a, a guy who um, is dead the whole time and you don't realize it until the very end. Right? And uh, my dad loves to ruin movies like that where where there's something happening and you don't realize it until the very end my dad loves to come in the middle of the movie and say oh yeah he's dead you don't see that till the end though which is like <laughs> or like uh, um 
the, the movies, you know, where there's a, there, you know, you don't know who the bad guy is until the very end, and my dad just points him out halfway through. Yeah, I saw this one. Now, now I didn't see that coming, though. It's a, it's a twist ending. That, that dude's the bad guy. It's going to blow you away. Well, no, it's not anymore, Dad, because you just, you just told us. So thank you. Um, but you watch a movie, and, and then you, the, the ending just, you didn't see it coming at all. It's really fun to, to watch the movie again, because you have all of these moments where you're like, oh, oh, this makes so much more sense now. I see what's happening. I, I like to imagine the disciples with their first copy of the book of Luke, right? Hot off the presses, or, or there's no presses, and it probably wasn't really hot, but um, uh, they, they have their first, and they're reading through the book of Luke, and they're like, oh, oh. Because after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, and after Luke 24, where, where, where Jesus explains to them, then, of course, right, they, they get it. They get it. And so it would be very fun for them to go back, maybe a little bit humbling, probably a lot humbling, but it would be, it would be really fun to go back and to remember, oh yeah, Jesus told us exactly what was going to happen, and then it happened. And, and then once they understand, they say to themselves, of, of course it happened. Of course Jesus would be delivered up to be cruelly treated and to, to be spit upon. And of course they beat Him. Of course they killed Him. Of course He rose again on the third day. We didn't get it when He first told us, but, but of course, this was the plan of God. And this, this is what had to happen if Scripture was to be fulfilled. If we were to be saved from our sins. We desperately needed someone to take the full, bloody, violent punishment for the sins we had done. Disciples say, we didn't see it then, but we see it now. Especially when we, when we look at how Luke sort of unfolds this story. When we look at the way Luke um, uh, the, 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 the way Luke records these next two events in the life of Jesus. Alright, so Jesus has said, we're going to Jerusalem. And he's doing, he's, he's making one more stop on his way to Jerusalem. He's gonna stop in Jericho, and two things are gonna happen here. Two more little events are gonna happen in Jericho on their way to Jerusalem. And, and these Events, these little stories are going to show us why we need Jesus to be delivered over to the Gentiles, to be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon and, and be flogged and killed. And then on the third day, we need Him to rise. These, um, these two stories that Luke puts right after this prediction, these two stories that, that Luke gives us they help us to understand why we need the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so these disciples, I like to imagine them looking over Luke's Gospel and saying, yeah, Jesus told us and then He showed us. He told us what He was going to do and then He showed us why we need it. 
we have two stories and so two answers to the question, why do we need Jesus' death and resurrection? So if you're looking for a sermon outline this morning, two, two reasons why we need the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. First, because we are all blind beggars. I love the story in, in starting in verse 35. I love, this, I love this story. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd go by, he inquired what this meant. They told him Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, he cried out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more. I love that. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. Jesus has no time for the shushers, for the rebukers. He has all the time in the world for this blind man crying out for mercy. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. And we see that this man is now saved. Not only does he, does he receive his, his, his physical sight, but he is saved. Because immediately he recovered his sight and followed him. Glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This man becomes a follower of Jesus now, this man is completely helpless, and by society's standards, he's completely worthless. He shouldn't be speaking. This is an important moment. Jesus is passing by. We don't want this guy speaking for us. We want this guy in the back of the crowd being quiet. Doesn't he know who he is? He shouldn't be speaking up. He's embarrassing everyone, everyone around him. We don't want, we don't want Jesus to have a, a like a bad idea of, of what Jericho is. Jericho is not that guy. Jericho are the, you know, the the people who've got their act together. He He should be quiet. Tell him to shut up. Doesn't he know his place? All kinds of shushers. But here's the fascinating thing. And Mark alluded to it in his prayer. This man may be blind, but by God's grace, by God's grace alone, He sees far more than anyone else there sees. See, what Luke has done over the last few stories is Luke has strung together a few stories about blind people. Not not physically blind, but spiritually blind. There was the Pharisee who was blind to his own worthless self-righteousness. There was the rich young ruler who was blind to his own idolatry. And then this week, there, there are these disciples who... They, they don't see it. Jesus is being as clear as He can be and they don't see it. They're, they're not physically blind. They're spiritually blind. But here is this man who is physically blind, but by God's grace, he sees who Jesus truly is and he sees who He Himself is. Jesus is the merciful, mighty Son of David, the Messiah, and the beggar Himself is someone in desperate need of Jesus' mercy. So the crowds want to shush him, but he will not be shushed. He cries out for Jesus, and Jesus heals him. And Jesus saves him. This man becomes a follower of Jesus. 
And of course, then the crowds go from rebuking this blind man to praising God. They're a little late to the party. Why did they rebuke him in the first place? Because they don't, they don't realize, they don't understand that we're all blind beggars. We're all completely unable to save ourselves. We all, we are all completely dependent upon Jesus' mercy. Without Jesus, Scripture says we are all wandering around in darkness. We are born into condemnation. We are sinners by our very nature. We need a new heart. We need new eyes. We need new birth. Many of you don't know this, but I have never played professional football. Lots of people think I have. I don't know. I haven't. No. No, if I was going to be um, a defensive lineman in the NFL, even for the Lions, who probably would hire anybody to do that, um, I would have to be transformed into a completely different person. I, it, I, it's not that I'm, I'm not a de- I'm, I'm not a defensive lineman because you know when I was I just didn't have the opportunities growing up, or I had didn't have good football coaches or something. No, I, I would have to be a completely different person, a completely different physical makeup. I would have to have different, a completely different body type and com- completely different athleticism. I don't need better opportunities. I don't need to go back and eat different or more or something. I would need to be completely new, completely fundamentally transformed. Scripture is clear if we are going to be reconciled to the holy God of the universe, we must be made completely new. We are are enslaved to sin. Children of disobedience, born into condemnation. We are all blind beggars. We are all born that way. Jesus came and rescued us Jesus came and showed mercy on us. We needed needed Jesus through His Gospel. We We needed the Spirit through the Gospel. We needed God the Father through the Gospel to completely, fundamentally transform us. Transform us so deeply that Scripture calls it a new birth. Being born again. Being made completely new. We don't need to go back and have better opportunities, or it's not a lack of education. It's because it's not because of this. It's it's because we are we are fundamentally sinful. Jesus came and showed mercy on us. Have you believed this? Has has God done for you what He did for this physically blind man? And that's open up your eyes. Have you believed this? I pray that this, is the, that this is the time in your life where you believe it. Please believe it if you never have. And then if you have, listen to wise old Apostle Paul with me. In Colossians 2, he says something incredibly helpful if we can get it into our thick skulls. Colossians 2, 6, he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord... So walk in Him. You walk in Christ. You do the Christian life. You walk in Christ 
the way you received Him, by crying out for mercy. This week, I guarantee you that you're going to face situations that are beyond you. You're going to face temptations that are just weighing you down. They feel incredibly heavy. You're, you're going to face relationship struggle and sadness and heartbreak and conflict. Of course you are. Of course you're going to feel your blind beggarliness. You're going to. So we walk in Christ the way you received Him. And okay, so now, if you don't feel that this week, my, here's what I'm guessing. Alright? Actually, I'm just going to say it. It's true. If you don't feel your weakness, your, your hopelessness, your need for Jesus' mercy, if you don't, you don't feel that this week, it's because you're not trying to do anything important. You're not hoping for anything, anything supernatural. You're not praying for anything eternally good. If you want real eternal good in your life and in the lives of the people you care about, you are going to face head-on your helplessness to make it happen. Jesus doesn't have a lot of time for the shushers, for the high and mighty. But He has all the time in the world for those who cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. How many times have we had to cry that out? And how many times will we have to do it again? I, I think if you, if you truly want to be holier, if you truly want your loved ones to be saved, if you want God to bring real comfort and joy to yourself and to the brokenhearted around you, if you want real reconciliation, real growth, real sanctification, real strength, for, for things that are really important, then you know how much you need what only Jesus can do. The way forward in the Christian life is the way in. Walk in Him as you received Him, crying out for mercy. He was mocked and flogged and killed so that He could save and completely renovate helpless blind beggars like you and me. And, and I, I, this is new. This is a a part of the sermon that I added in right after Sunday school, or maybe while we were singing, or you know, when everybody else was worshiping God or something, I, I wrote this um, in, and I decided to add something to the sermon this morning. Just because you braved the snowy roads, I want to make it. I don't want to preach a short sermon. That's no good. You know, you preach a short sermon when you guys you guys braved the roads to come here. I will make it worth your while. I want to remind. Let's re, let's just. Let's just remember together to never ever be a shusher. Never ever be a shusher. You have people in your life who are crying out for mercy. You have people in your life who are grieving over a wayward son or daughter, a wayward grandchild. They're grieving over something that's outside of their control and they're just crying out to God for help. Sit with them in that. Cry out to God with them in that. Encourage them in the grace and sovereignty and wisdom of God. Be with them for, be, be with them through that. Be the opposite of someone says, ah, we don't have time for that right now. Be the opposite of that. Be life-giving. In Sunday school this morning, we, t- we talked about one of the many times in Paul's gospel where he just says that he himself was comforted by his teammates, by people who were in this with him. 
They brought, they brought real comfort from God to him. They kept him going. Let's be that kind of person. All right, back to the notes. So first story that shows us why we need the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because we're all blind beggars. And then second, we are all self-serving tax collectors. Another fantastic story from Luke. Starting in chapter 19, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Um, so he was so good at being an evil tax collector that he got promoted, alright? So he's a, he's, a, he's a really bad guy. He's a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see um, who Jesus was, but, he, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was, as the song said, a wee little man. You guys sang that in Sunday school, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Yeah, that's a phrase we don't say anymore. Probably good. Call people wee little man. That's not, that's not nice. The ESV says he was small in stature. That's, that's better. It doesn't sound as cool in a children's song, but it's probably nicer. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus takes the initiative. Jesus always takes the initiative. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. Hear the crowds. The crowd's just never happy. They don't like any of this. They didn't like it when Jesus was kind to the blind beggar. They don't want Jesus to be kind to kind of Zacchaeus. They're a bunch of stick in the muds. They all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The crowds have a hard time understanding that verse. They come to seek and save the lost. They're struggling. So this is, this is fascinating because what this does is this kind of shows us the, um, the scope of the Gospel. The flexibility of the Gospel. It shows us that Jesus can save the ones who are being bullied in the story of the blind beggar. Jesus saves those kinds of people. He also saves the people who are doing the bullying. Jesus can save and completely renovate, completely transform any kind of person. The story of the blind beggar was really in in its essence a story about an oppressed person. The one who was a nothing. The one who had been discarded. The one who was told to shut up because he was embarrassing everyone. Know your place. The story of Zacchaeus really is the opposite, isn't it? It's the story of the one who is doing the oppressing. Doing the bullying. And just like the story of the blind beggar, the people do not like it when Jesus shows kindness to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a a jerk, a selfish crook. He's a tax collector. Tax collectors 
had the, had the earned reputation of cheating people out of their money, of getting rich off the backs of other people. They were known to be dishonest. They were known to be greedy. They were, you could not trust them. How in the world could Jesus go spend time with someone like Zacchaeus? And, and it's the same root problem here. The first crowd, they were blind to the fact that we're all blind beggars. And the second crowd is blind to the fact that we're all self-serving tax collectors. We are helpless beggars. And we are all willful sinners. We are selfish. We want what we want and many, many times we've hurt others to get what we want. That's the story of all of us. We've insulted others. We've ignored others. We've lied to others. We've served ourselves rather than serving others. We are selfish. We've gone after whatever we wanted, not caring what it would do to the people around us. We are Zacchaeus. We are helpless like this blind beggar, and we are selfish jerks like Zacchaeus. And the good, beautiful good news, verse 10 Jesus came to seek us out. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You and I are a mystery. It's because on one hand, we need Jesus because we are weak and helpless and we have been oppressed and beaten down by a sin-cursed world. And on the other hand, we need Jesus because of our own sinful, willful selfishness. And the beautiful good news for those who have believed the Gospel, for those who trust Christ to save them, the beautiful good news is that Jesus delivers us from our hopelessness and Jesus delivers us from our selfish, willful sin. Jesus did a work in Zacchaeus. He changed him from the inside out. He made him new. I mean, Zacchaeus was still a wee little man. He wasn't going to play in the... Uh, Judean professional basketball league, right? He makes Zacchaeus new. And we see it. The, 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 the selfishness in Zacchaeus is being killed. A new heart is being created in him. This is what Jesus does for us as well. He, he pushes us towards generosity and service and kindness and compassion. And he, if He has started that work in you, He will finish the job and He will present you faultless before the throne. And so this week, I, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to feel the weight of your just helplessness. You're, you, 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 there, there are just going to be things that you want. You, you want your child to be saved, or you want a a relationship to be restored, or you want sanctification and growth, or you want peace and contentment, or you 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 want something and it's just like it's beyond you. You're gonna feel the weight of that. And this week also you're going to feel the magnetic pull of your own self centeredness. You're gonna you're gonna kind of come to your senses and find yourself in just in the midst of of choosing to serve yourself rather than love the people around you. Turn to Jesus for help in your time of need. See, Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem. 
And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For He will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging Him, they will kill Him. And on the third day, He will rise. Why did Jesus do this? Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's us. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for these stories in the book of Luke. We thank You for Your great patience. Uh, we thank You for Jesus' patience with the disciples as he, um, as he tells them. He says, see, and they don't see. I pray this morning that by Your grace, when Your Word says to us, see, that by Your grace, because of the, the, the new work You're doing, in us, the new birth You've given us, the new heart You've given us, the new eyes You've given us. I pray that when, we, when You say see, we will see. And this week, as we're, as we're working through our week, and, and we want to, because Your Spirit is in us, we want to, we want to grow in holiness. We want to, we want to fight against selfishness. We want it, but we feel the weight of how hard it is as well. I pray that we would see. That we would see that you have, you have more than enough mercy. More than enough strength. More than enough comfort. You have all kinds of grace for those who will not be shushed. For those who will cry out to you for help. I pray that you would, that you would help us to see that. And I pray also, God, that you would help us to be the kind of people who who are encouraging our friends, encouraging our loved ones to to depend upon Your mercy, to move forward in obedience and to depend upon Your mercy. Pray that You do this work in us, God. We are dependent upon You for it. In Christ's name, Amen.